Everyone involved with the Orioles this offseason has stated the rebuild is over. And with that comes some new names, some new faces, some new players you need to know because they could be the core of the next great Orioles team. So today, we're going to run through pretty much everybody on this roster and tell you one thing you need to know about all of the O's that could be on that next World Series champion. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, March 24th, 2023. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, I wanted to talk about one key thing you need to know about Pretty much every Orioles player, not just everybody that's going to be on the active roster, almost everybody on the 40-man roster, plus some of the non-roster invitees as well. Basically, anybody with a shot to make an impact on this 2023 Orioles team that is currently in the organization, I wanted to get to and just give you one thing that makes them tick. One thing you should know about it, because it's a lot of players to keep track of, and I'm mentioning a lot of them on all of these episodes I do here on this podcast five days a week. And I thank you so much for tuning in, for subscribing. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page. Follow and subscribe wherever you listen as well. Leave a five-star rating and a review. But it's a lot of players to keep track of. And if you're not doing five podcasts a week, sometimes you don't know as much about certain guys. So I wanted to run through pretty much every single guy and give you at least one thing you can hold on to. That one key attribute that when they're good, this is why. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. So as I go through these players and talk about the key attributes, there wasn't a lot of criteria on whether or not they got on this list. It was just kind of my projection of guys who could make an impact on the 2023 Orioles who are in the system now. So it's most of the guys on the 40-man roster. It's everybody I'm projecting to be on the opening day roster. It's some of the non-roster invites and the prospects as well. And listen, there's guys I'm not going to talk about who might make an impact for the Orioles this year. That's okay too, but I got a good amount of names here. I want to start with like the guys, the starters on this team, the guys you probably already know go through them. Then we'll talk about the bench guys, some guys in the bullpen, and then the other guys, some guys who are on the roster bubble or could start in AAA, but most certainly have a chance to make this roster at some point. And again, it's just going to be one thing, one stat, one attribute, something that makes them good when they are going good. So let's start with what I call the dudes, the guys on this team, the starters, the, the guys are going to make a big impact. And of course, we start with Adley Rutschman. Now with Adley Rutschman, there are so many different attributes that make him so good. But the thing where he is legitimately number one in baseball already is his pitch blocking. Baseball Savant and StatCast this offseason came out with a pitch blocking statistic. And Adley Rutschman had 18 blocks above average last season. That means he blocked 18 balls that the average catcher would not have kept in front. That led all of baseball for context. Jose Trevino at 16 was in second place. And JT Riomuto at 14 was in third place. Two of the top five defensive catchers in baseball, those guys. But Adley was number one. 
and he's one of the best pitch framers. He's got a great pop time. He's an amazing switch hitter with an incredible batter's eye and a great team leader who handles a pitching staff. And oh yeah, it's just his second year in the big leagues. But the thing where he is no doubt number one, he keeps everything in front. Next up is Gunnar Henderson. And similar to Adley Rutschman, there's so many things you can go to. But I actually went to the arm strength for Henderson because whether he was playing third base or shortstop when he came up in September last year, it seemed he always flashed that arm strength. And there is a stat for it, how hard he throws. On average, it's 88.4 miles per hour across the diamond. That is the best of any Orioles infielder, and that is 12th among all infielders in Major League Baseball, that 88.4 miles per hour on average. He's got a gun. That's why they call him Gunner. And that's why he can also play third base along with shortstop. Next up, Anthony Santander. I think his key thing is having power from the both sides. He he was quietly one of the best switch hitters in baseball last year. His 120 WRC plus last season was seventh among all switch hitters in Major League Baseball. He had 33 homers. Now, he did hit 22 of them from the left side, but he actually has a better slugging percentage, 548 from the right side, just doesn't get nearly as many plate appearances from the right side because doesn't face nearly as many lefties as he faces righties on the mound. And he has a pretty good split of his stats and his power from both sides. And that really makes him tick and, and is turning him into a much better power hitter. Next up is Ryan Mountcastle. What you got to know is he hits the ball hard. He had a 10% barrel rate last season, which was ninth in all of Major League Baseball. That's why I'm not worried that Mountcastle's numbers were a little bit down in 2022, because we've talked about it pretty much at nauseum on this podcast. He was one of the unluckiest players in all of Major League Baseball with all the quality contact he was making and just wasn't getting rewarded. He's going to get rewarded for it this year. Next up, Cedric Mullins. You got to go with his defense. I mean, it's a big reason why he was on the World Baseball Classic roster. He had nine outs above average last year. That was seventh among all players in Major League Baseball defensively. He plays an amazing center field. Now, his arm is at best average and sometimes a little below, but everything else, his range, his speed, his catchability, everything he does out there in center field is fun to watch, and that's what's going to keep him going. Next up for Austin Hayes, we stick on defense. It's the arm strength for Austin Hayes. I, I mentioned it for Gunnar Henderson, but it's an even bigger thing for Austin Hayes. He led this team in outfield assists this last season. I mean, it was like a running thing. Why are you running on Austin Hayes? He was gunning guys down at second base, at third base, at home plate all year, whether he was playing right or left field. And his average throw is 91.9 miles per hour. That leads the Orioles, and that is 30th in Major League Baseball. Now, there's a lot of good arms. Most of them are in the outfield, but being top 30 in Major League Baseball, pretty good. And that's where Austin Hayes is with that arm. We go to one of the new Orioles, Adam Frazier. And the thing that really makes him tick is his contact ability. He does not swing and miss and does not strike out very much. He strikes out just 12.1% of the time. That was the 11th lowest strikeout rate in all of baseball last season. Only 10 players in baseball struck out less than Adam Frazier did last year. And yeah, he didn't have an amazing season. He kind of had a down offensive year, and he doesn't really hit for power. But when you also don't strike out and you put the ball in play, good things do happen from time to time. And for Adam Frazier, that's led to more success earlier in his career, especially with Pittsburgh. And it could happen again with the Orioles. For Ramon Arias, similar to Ryan Mountcastle, he just hits the ball hard. And Arias, on average, actually hits it harder than Ryan Mountcastle does. Arias' 46.5% hard hit rate 
leads the Orioles and is 42nd in Major League Baseball. Now, Arias's issue is he hits the ball on the ground too much for those hard hit balls to matter. But when Arias hits the ball in the air, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, that's when he gets on these hot streaks. Nobody on the team hits it harder than Ramon Arias. It's, he's not just a gold glove guy. He can hit as well. It just got to lift the ball. Next up, Jorge Mateo. You can't miss it. It's the blazing speed. 30.1 feet per second is his sprint speed. That is the ninth fastest in all of Major League Baseball. Of course, led the team, led the American League with 35 stolen bases last season. And with the new bigger bases, the new pickoff rolls. Who's saying Mateo couldn't steal 45 or even 50 bases if he gets everyday playing time in 2023? You cannot miss that speed on the field. Next up, Grayson Rodriguez, the top pitching prospect in this system. And I got to go with the fastball changeup combination for Grayson Rodriguez is what you should look out for. When he can throw a 98-mile-per-hour fastball and then a Pedro Martinez-style changeup that just drops off the table for a swing and a miss, whether it's a righty or a lefty, it is legitimate stuff for Grayson Rodriguez. And speaking of legitimate stuff, that's the thing you need to know for D.L. Hall. It's just pure crazy stuff. 97 on his fastball from the left side with a wipeout changeup, a crazy good slider, and a curveball he can drop in there for strikes as well. He still has that starter repertoire. It's the best stuff on the team. It's some of the best stuff in all of baseball. When he can get it in the zone, it's crazy what D.L. Hall can do. Next up, we go into the rotation. Kyle Gibson is kind of an interesting one. His extension down the mound is some of the best in Major League Baseball. StatCast actually has a stat for it. He's in the 84th percentile of extension. And the reason I bring this up is when Kyle Gibson dominated with his five scoreless innings in his most recent spring training start, he talked after the game how it was the best he'd felt in a while and how he changed up just a little something with his motion to get more extension down the mound and it gave him more success. Well, while he's already extending pretty well, that means he's releasing the ball closer to home plate than most guys are. He's extending his body closer to home plate before he releases, which means pitches come in with more velocity to hitters. It's tougher to pick up. You have less time to hit. It's all good things when you can extend further towards home plate, and Gibson does a great job of it. To Cole Irvin, he's just a tempo guy. First thing to know is he works fast. Fourth fastest worker in all of baseball last year among pitchers, which means he had the fourth lowest time between pitches that Irvin would throw. He was already built for the pitch clock being implemented. It's not going to waver him in the slightest. And it's not just tempo of his pitches. It's the tempo of the games he pitches. He's fast on the mound. He throws a lot of strikes and he pitches deep into games and avoids pitching changes, which means when Cole Irvin's on the mound this year, those are going to be some of the quickest games that the Orioles play. And listen, his 4.9% walk rate 11th lowest in Major League Baseball last year. He doesn't walk guys either, and he gets these games moving along. For Kyle Bradish, I would say the thing that makes him stand out is just his ability to adjust. He made multiple adjustments in, in his rookie season last year, which is really tough to do. The first one was he changed the side of the rubber he was pitching on, similar to what Corbin Burns does. He models a lot of what he does after Corbin Burns. He could maybe turn into Corbin Burns. Then he added a sinker late last year to get some more right-handed batters out, you know, get them to, to jam the ball into the ground and help them out. Then he realized that, hey, my breaking stuff is so good and my fastball is struggling so much, let me flip it. And that last month and a half of the season, Bradish consistently threw more breaking balls, his curveball and his slider, than he did fastballs. And what did that give him? 
those two amazing starts against the Houston Astros late in the year to go along with a lot of other good starts in the second half. Just the ability for him to adjust on the fly, that young of a pitcher, is just really, really impressive. For Dean Kramer, you need to know about the new stuff. Nathan Ruiz wrote about it in the Baltimore Sun. Kramer, you know, working this offseason, wanting to have every shape. He added that sinker last year. He added more velocity to his cutter and his four-seamer this year. And he's got that new sweeper slider that he debuted in the World Baseball Classic when pitching for Team Israel. It was nasty. He pitched well the other day, coming back from the WBC. It's going to be fun to see Dean Kramer in there with that new stuff. But those are kind of the guys, the starters, the everyday players, the guys that Hey, that was maybe helpful for you, but I feel like a lot of you probably knew a good amount about a lot of those guys. But next up, we're going to move on to the bench and the bullpen. Some lesser known guys, some more interchangeable guys that it's important to know like, hey, when this guy starts to heat up, here is the reason why. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. I honestly, this might be my favorite sponsor we've had on the show yet the mobile game ultimate baseball gm it is on your phone and you literally are the gm of a baseball team you make all the decisions right you hire coaches hire staff you manage the finances you're scouting players drafting players managing personalities you're going through free agency and trades and you know you're, you're even paying for like performance facilities and weight rooms and all the things that affect your team you're making all those decisions right on your phone and it's a challenging game world trust me it is challenging you take over a last place team i mean my first season playing and i think we won 60 games it is hard which makes it fun and it's completely free and you can play it offline you can play it on the go it doesn't drain your battery either this is the app to download if you want to play a baseball game on your phone this is the one and Locked On Orioles listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com, Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Game Time. Now, for me, I'm not really a season tickets guy. I more get the tickets at the last second. And I'm starting to think that even though I live right by the stadium, as the O's get better, the crowds get bigger at Camden Yards, it might be a little tougher to get those tickets right before the game. But buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you will have. And the Game Time app, they've got everything. They got flash deals, last minute tickets, they got Orioles tickets even for that first series against the Yankees. And there's a lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection. They've got everything on this app. And it's the place for those last minute ticket deals. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So you can snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. 
So we're back here running through one key attribute for every Orioles player, most of the guys in camp. One thing you should know about them that makes them tick, that makes them go when they're going well, this is what is working. And we went through kind of the regulars and the starters first. Now we get into the bench and the bullpen guys. And, you know, we're going rapid fire here just so you can have a little something on each player before this season starts. And let's start here with Kyle Stowers. I think you need to know he's got pure power from the left side. 19 homers, slugged 527 in AAA last year. Yeah, he didn't get that everyday chance with the Orioles that fans hoped he would in 2022 when he came up, but he could get it this year and watch out for the power. Taron Vavra, it's all about the patience at the plate. A very low 29% chase rate, a 12% walk rate was very, very high. In his about 100 plate appearances in the big leagues last year, another guy who didn't play as much as we would have thought, but is just a very, very patient approach. He's a disciplined hitter, and it's fun to watch. Ryan McKenna's skill that you need to know is just generally being a fourth outfielder. Like everything a fourth outfielder needs to be, Ryan McKenna gives you that. He is second on the Orioles in sprint speed. He is second on the Orioles in arm strength out of the outfield. He's fourth on the Orioles in outs above average. He's a good defender. He's a good pinch runner. He does the things you need to do coming off the bench in the outfield. Going to backup catcher with James McCann, another new Oriole. He's just good at handling a staff. You know, he's got some, some catching attributes. He was 21st in all of baseball in pitch framing last year, which is a pretty solid spot to be in. But he's just got the experience with all the pitchers he's worked with, whether in Detroit, you know, he was with that 2014 Tigers team with all those Cy Young winners that came to Baltimore for the ALDS. And we know how that ended. He was with Chicago with some great pitchers. He was, of course, with the Mets the last couple of years with some amazing pitchers like Jacob deGrom. He's got that experience handling a staff. Into the bullpen we go, Felix Bautista. You got to know about the splitter. Yes, he's going to throw 101, 102 with the fastball, but somehow that's not even his best pitch because his splitter is ridiculous. It's at about 90 miles per hour. Opponents hit just 087 against it last year. Bautista was in the bullpen all year. He only gave up eight hits on his splitter. It has an insane 53% whiff rate. Let me say that again. 53%. When hitters swung at his splitter last year, more than half the time, they swung and missed. That is an absurd whiff rate on that pitch. Moving to Dylan Tate, I know he'll be out at least a month with that forearm issue, but he should be back and be a big part of the Orioles' bullpen at some point this year. And the reason he's a big part is that sinker. It's at 94 miles an hour. Opponents hit only 214 against it. And it's an average launch angle of negative four degrees against that Dylan Tate sinker. Basically, everybody who swings at it beats the ball into the ground. Now, sometimes they ground it into left field or ground it up the middle for a base hit, but he generally doesn't give up any extra base hits on that pitch, and he gets a lot of ground balls to help him out. And in terms of run value by StatCast, Dylan Tate's sinker was the eighth best pitch in all of baseball last season. Not just on the Orioles, eighth best singular pitch in all of baseball. That's how good that sinker is. For CNL Perez, it is the slider that makes the left-hander go. Slider, the guys just hit 182 against it last year. It's got elite, elite movement, both vertically and horizontally. And the best thing about Perez's slider is he can get lefties to swing and miss on it, to chase it, and he can get righties to swing and miss on it when he throws it to their back foot. That's what made him so effective last year with his 1.40 ERA. Hopefully he can do it again this season. For Brian Baker, the pitch that makes him go actually isn't his number one pitch, but it's his changeup, which was his third offering 
for most of the season last year. Now for Baker, the reason the changeup was his third offering is that he couldn't command it at times. But when he could command it, that pitch was ridiculous. Opponents hit only 044. That's right, 044 was their batting average against his changeup last season. It gives him an ability to get lefties out, but he's got to find the command of it. If he does, he's going to be a different guy in 2023. For Michael Givens, at this point in his career, it's not necessarily about a certain pitch, but it's about his arm slot. He still throws from that funky sidearm delivery, kind of winding up like a coil and then releasing. And the stuff is maybe a tick down from what it was early in his first stint with the Orioles, but that arm slot just makes it so tough to hit that it still makes him effective in 2023. Next up is Keegan Aiken. And similar to Cole Irvin, it's about his pace. I mentioned Irvin was the seventh fast or fourth fastest working pitcher in baseball. Keegan Aiken was seventh last year, and he also filled up the strike zone. He worked fast. It made it look worse when he was bad in the second half last year, but it makes him look better when he was really good in the first half. For Mike Bauman, especially now that he's been moved to solely a reliever, it is all about that fastball. In those one-inning relief stints we've seen from Bauman here in spring training, fastball up to 99. That's going to play. It's going to help him make the team. For Andrew Paletti, the Rule 5 pick from the Red Sox, the Orioles seem to love his curveball. That seems to be the pitch they really, really like. It's kind of a big, loopy, 80-mile-per-hour curveball. It's got really, really big break. It gets swings and misses. He can drop it in for a strike. That could be the pitch that maybe gets him that final roster spot in the Orioles' bullpen. For Tyler Wells, if he does have to move to the bullpen and Grayson Rodriguez gets the final spot in the rotation, it's just about his stuff bump. You know, we saw him as a starter last year, and we saw him as a reliever two years ago, and we know as a reliever his velo is up, his stuff plays better, and that should happen again if he's in the pen. And then for Austin Voth, looks like he's going to get moved to the bullpen as well. It's just the changes he's made on his breaking ball. He's got a, a little bit of a different shape on his curveball, which was already good, but the Orioles made it better after bringing him in from the Nationals last year. And then he added that sweeper, which was just a ridiculous pitch. Opponents hitches 158 against it, 38% whiff rate. And both of his breaking pitches, the curveball and the slider, have elite, elite spin rates in baseball. And that's what makes them very, very good. But of all the guys I named, most likely, those are all the guys in the mix to make the Orioles opening day roster as opening day now just six days away. But there's still some guys who are maybe having an outside chance and also could certainly, even if they don't make the opening day roster, impact the Orioles at the big league level in 2023. We'll talk about their attributes coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drain. And for me, looking at tonight's game in the tournament, Maybe San Diego State to cover against Alabama. I think they can be physical enough to maybe even win that game. And plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel 
an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So we're back to finish up with the key attributes for pretty much every Orioles player here in camp. And we've talked through everybody who I think right now has at least a solid chance to make the opening day roster. Now, I've got a list of the rest of the guys. Some of these guys still have an outside chance of the opening day roster. A lot of these guys don't, but I expect to maybe see in Baltimore and make an impact at some point this season, which means I'm sure you'd still like to know a little bit about them as well. So we start with Joey Crable, who I think what you need to know is kind of the even splits. Now, even though he's a right-hander, it's not like he dominates righties and struggles against lefties. Last year, lefties had a 321 Woba against him. Righties had a 315 Woba. So it, it's basically the same. And, and why that is, is his best pitch is that changeup that runs down and away from lefties and allows him to get left-handers out. For Spencer Watkins, it's all about the stuff increases and the velo increases he has seen every offseason. Watkins continues to go to driveline in the offseason and improve his stuff since coming over to the Orioles. His fastball now up to 92-94. His cutter has much more velo when we've seen it throw it this spring. I still don't think he's going to get an opening day roster spot, but Watkins was good last year, and he might be better this year. So look for him to step in if there's an injury into the rotation. For Nick Vespi, I know he's already back in minor league camp, but he'll be in the bullpen at some point this year. It's about the natural cut of his fastball. Because listen, you see him throw his fastball, it's generally 89 to 90 miles an hour. That's not anything to ride home about. But it's almost a cutter because it has so much natural cut. And that's why he's still able to get big league hitters out with an 89 mile per hour fastball. You just got to watch it and say, will it continue to cut and continue to get guys out? For Yenier Cano, who we saw briefly in the big leagues last year, came over in the Jorge Lopez trade. He's still a right-handed reliever on the 40-man roster. And it's just that turbo changeup. Yeah, he throws a sinker 95-96, but he throws a changeup that clocks in at 90 miles an hour on a changeup and has ridiculous downward break. It had a 31% whiff rate last year. That is his pitch. If he can command that thing, he can get back to the big leagues. For Logan Gillespie, who's also on the 40-man, we saw him out of the bullpen from time to time last year. It's just about that fastball. Yeah, it's only 95 miles an hour, which is good but not great, but it's got that rising effect, that hoppy fastball that gets swings and misses. He's got to continue to use that pitch to his advantage this season. For Bruce Zimmerman, I know it was a struggle last year. He's already back in minor league camp, but it's all about that changeup. When he was going good and he made those first six starts that were amazing to begin 2022, that changeup was like even filthier than John Means' changeup. He's going to need to find that again. He's going to need to find other things too, but find that again to get back to where he was. Speaking of John Means, he's going to be a part of this team. I know he's not going to be available for a while. Orioles expecting him back around July from his recovery from Tommy John surgery. For him, it's just about health. I think we know a lot about John Means. You know, solid fastball, really good changeup, going to attack you with those pitches. Can he get healthy? And can he help this Orioles team in the second half really be kind of a true ace of this staff? Then we get to a couple prospects here. Start with Joey Ortiz. He is on the 40-man roster. I think we'll certainly see him this year if he doesn't get traded. It's about the elite defense. I mean, he's maybe the best defensive shortstop the Orioles have ever had in this system. That's how good he is. Even if his bat never plays the big league level, his defense is so good that he'll be a quality major leaguer. For Jordan Westberg, it's just about how steady and consistent he is. There was a good story in the Baltimore Sun earlier this week about that. Go check it out. You know, all of Jordan Westberg's teammates just talking about how he's just kind of unfazed by everything. He's just a steady, consistent presence. That's what it's about, just steady, consistent across the board with all his tools. 
For Connor Norby, who we could see at the end of the year, he just hits and hits and hits. Yeah, he plays second base, and he's not the most amazing defender, but he led the minors for the Orioles in home runs last year. He just hits and hits and hits and hits. That's what you got to know. For Colton Kowser, it's kind of sneaky pop. You look at him, and you don't think of a guy who's going to hit 30-plus homers, but then you see him launch one 460-plus feet, and you realize, oh, yeah, it is sneaky but serious pop. And then finally, those NRI kind of first base guys. For Franchi Cordero, who's having an amazing spring and hitting over 500, it's just ridiculous power. Yes, he has ridiculous swing and miss, but also he's hit some of the farthest recorded balls and the hardest hit recorded balls in the StatCast era when he's been in the majors. If the O's can bottle that up, he can make an impact this year. For Ryan O'Hearn, it's about those exit velos as well. Now, the last couple years with the Kansas City Royals, he hasn't hit the ball much at all, but when he does... He's hit it hard. And then for Lewin Diaz, first base defense. I mean, the bat, a lot of questions. But he is, bar none, the best defensive first baseman in all of baseball right now. And that's why he's with the Orioles. They hope they can get him there. And then I'll finish up with Josh Lester, who has an outside chance to make an impact. But he hits the ball hard, too. And his swing is pretty from the left side. It's a pretty left-handed swing. If the O's can just have something click, he could become a major leaguer for this team. But that's pretty much everybody who I think, you know, at this point could make an impact for the 2023 Orioles. I hope that did a solid job of kind of setting the tone for these guys and giving you just a little nugget, little nugget on everybody. So when you hear me talk about them on this podcast or you see them come into a game or you see them get called up, you'll know at least a little bit about these guys when they impact what hopefully will be a very fun and exciting and very successful 2023 Baltimore Orioles squad. But that'll do it for this week here on the podcast. We are so close to opening day. Next week is opening day. When I come back on Monday, we'll be three days away from opening day. And when I come back on Monday, it's the final prediction. The final Orioles opening day roster prediction. I'm going to try to go 26 for 26. Hopefully we'll have a little bit more information on Felix Bautista, on Michael Gibbons' knee injury, Ramona Rios got banged up a little bit on Thursday. Should be okay, but we'll learn more about that as well. Maybe a little more about D.L. Hall's situation. Who will be the opening day starter? And I'll talk about it all, predicting the opening day roster for the final time when I return on Monday. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.